Hi, I'm Ezra Fieldsmeyer. And I'm Casey Cantrell. And welcome to Animation and Beyond. And this is the fourth episode of our Animation April series. And today we are talking about Illumination. Yes, the studio behind films like Despicable Me, The Secret Life of Pets, Sing, and others. Yeah, and I know that you're a big fan of them, so I'm excited to talk about this studio with you. Yeah, I'm excited. But before we get started, we have a trivia question from last week to answer. So just as a reminder, the question was, in 2009, Sony Pictures distributed a new animated film to theaters in the U.S., but they didn't actually produce it. What was the name of that movie? It was a film made in Spain, and it was called Planet 51. It was a science fiction comedy film. It was a combination of the future with the 1950s, and there was a planet called Planet 51. And then one day there is an astronaut who's a human who comes to their planet named Chuck Baker. And it was Dwayne The Rock Johnson's debut of a, doing a voice role, which years later he would voice Maui in Disney's Moana. I didn't know that. Okay, so that was the answer to last week's trivia question. Stick around to the end of the episode to get another trivia question. For now, let's start our feature presentation. Okay, so much like Sony Animation, we have talked about quite a few of the films that Illumination has produced. Yeah, like Lorax, Secret Life of Pets... Yeah, and I think we also... Have we talked about The Grinch, the specifically the one that Illumination has made? I don't think we talked about the classic cartoon, but I don't think we really talked much about the one made by Despicable Me creator Illumination. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to get into the kind of differences between those movies. But interestingly, we haven't hit their two main franchises yet, which is a surprise because I know that you're a huge fan of both of them, and that's, of course, Despicable Me and Minions. Yes. Now, let's go to the history of Illumination. Sure. Can you tell us a little bit about how they got started? They started in 2007 when Chris Melodondry left his post as president of 20th Century Fox Animation and Blue Sky, which he I talked about in the last episode, the trivia question, that he was the executive producer of their, of their first Blue Sky's first four movies from Fox. Similar to DreamWorks, this guy left one company to start his own company. Yeah, their first film they released was called Despicable Me. In terms of the studios that we've talked about, this is the first case where a studio, their very first film was super successful. And I mean, it was both critically well-received and it did incredibly well at the box office and it really launched illumination as a as a studio to watch so yeah so let's talk about despicable me i mean how did that movie come about and illumination which entertainment which it was called at the time announced the beginning of the development of its first movie and the idea initially was developed by sergio pablos under the name evil me but they later changed the title to despicable me and do you know why they made that change Probably because it's a bit more original and a bit, probably a bit more fun of a name. Yeah, and I think it also fits into the theme of the movie in that, what's what's his name again? Gru. He he he's not like an evil person. He tries to play the evil villain, but he he's just not a bad person. I don't know. I I guess to 
in my opinion, it, it seems that saying he's trying to be despicable is more fitting for describing his character than saying that he's evil. I agree, and Steve Carell was castable as the star of the movie. That's probably Steve Carell's most famous voice role. That's true. What what other roles has he done in terms of voice roles? Over the Hedge and Horton Years of Who, I remember, but those didn't become as popular as this. For people who might not be familiar with what Despicable Me is about, can you tell us what the movie was about? An evil villain named Gru, who has a secret army of yellow creatures called Minions. And then Gru hears about another villain, a newer, younger villain named Vector, who does a really big crime, which which becomes the biggest crime of the century, bigger than Gru's, which was stealing the Pyramid of Giza. Then Gru comes up with a bigger plan, which get to be much bigger than stealing the pyramids, stealing the moon. <laughs> Gru adopts three orphan girls named Margot and Edith and Agnes, who have lived lives in an, in an orphanage for girls, kind of like Annie in a way. First, there's Margot, the eldest, who's the mature and responsible one. And then there's Edith, the middle one, who's a tomboy who's kind of mischievous. And then the youngest, unicorn-loving Agnes, who loves unicorns more than anything. And I remember his assistant and good friend, Dr. Nefario, who was kind of hearing impaired, but he was Gru's loyal friend. How would you describe Gru himself? What is he like? Kind of ruthless, kind of serious in a way at first, by doing some sneaky work. Like popping kids' balloons, <laughs> cutting lines by freezing everybody in a coffee shop. Yeah, he, he like participates in these like really petty actions. You know, he's supposed to be this great supervillain, except he's not doing anything that villainous. He's just he's just being kind of kind of mean to people, but he's not like really a bad person. No, not really though. Despicable Me when it first came out in the summer of 2010, the same summer as the fourth Shrek film and also Toy Story 3, I remember. It was really big and really popular and successful, and I thought it was a lot of fun. And it started a new franchise, and I remember the first teaser for the movie from mid and late 2009 when at first the audience thinks it's the movie's about the Pyramid of Giza being stolen, but it turns out that was only part of it. The main plot was something else. Yeah, and what did you think of it when you saw the movie for the first time? Fun, exciting, thrilling, also very cool and high-tech, and I thought those minions were really appealing and funny. A lot of people did, too. Yes, and I liked the funny part, like, with Dr. Nefario, like, Gru told him to make cookie robots, but he made boogie robots he misheard. (laughs) Then he made something he thought Gru made, but he misheard also. A bark gun, but I said dart gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a constant miscommunication between those two. I know. Despicable Me has become successful. It started a franchise. Besides the follow-up media it got, it also got a lot of things, including a Despicable Me ride at Universal Parks. Right, and a couple of sequels so far. Yes, Despicable Me 2 released a few years later in 2013. <laughs> And also Despicable Me 3, right? That came out like a few years back. Yeah, I did, yeah. Despicable Me 2, I remember, was released in the summer of 2013. 
Gru is not no longer an evil supervillain. Now he's a father because he adopted the three girls, Margot, Edith, and Agnes. And in that one, Gru gets recruited from a secret agency called the AVL, the Anti-Villain League, where he teams up with a funny and excitable woman named Lucy Wilde, which I thought she was really funny. Like, she was very excitable, I remember. And I remember she was voiced by Kristen Wiig, who voiced Miss Hattie, the mean owner of the orphanage from the first movie. Oh, so she she played a different character in the, in the second film. Yes, and Lucy Wilde, who's pretty energetic, I remember, like, had lipstick taser, which I thought was really funny. You know, I wonder how common it is, because... You can obviously hide in animated films. You can hide that you are basically recasting the same actor into a different role. So I wonder how common it is for for actors to appear in one film as one character and then to voice a completely different character in a another film from that same franchise. Especially for someone as talented as Kristen Wiig, I you know she can modulate her voice really well and really create different characters. Yeah. And so Despicable Me 2 was was also even more successful, actually. And based on the success of that and just on the popularity of these secondary characters in the movies, that spawned Minions, a spinoff of the Despicable Me franchise focusing specifically on the Minions. In the credits of Despicable, the second Despicable Me were auditioning for their movie, I remember animated films nowadays are very self-aware and by far the, just based alone on the popularity of, of those characters minions has been illumination's most successful film if you're just looking at the box office it's the most successful film illumination has ever produced so far it's getting a sequel called minions the rise of Gru, which was going to come out this summer but it got delayed to july 2021 because of the coronavirus but no matter when the sequel to Minions is coming out, I'm excited about that one. Do we know what's going to happen in the second one? Well, the first movie, though, the, it's about the Minions origin story, which for centuries since the beginning of time, they were looking for a master. In the 1960s, they find the greatest supervillain during that time named Scarlet Overkill, voiced by legendary award-winning actress Sandra Bullock. And she wanted to become Queen of England, I remember. Don't we all, really? I know, and she just was kind of greedy, too. And Okay, so the the sequel will then cover specifically how they meet Gru, the minions. For he was a world-famous evil villain. And from what I know, who's apparently the main villain of the film, is Bellbottom from Minions. And she's voiced by Taraji P. Henson, who also voiced Yes in Disney's Ralph Breaks the Internet. And she has an afro and a purple and pink suit. And Otto is a new minion in the film. And I remember the part of it where he trades that emblem at a birthday party to a, for a pet rock. And Gru stole that emblem from an evil villain group called the Vicious Six. Yeah, so they've really expanded the lore of this uh, Despicable Me universe. I know, didn't you have an experience with Despicable Me 2? Yes, for like a couple days before the movie came out in Universal Studios' backlot, because we have a family friend who works for Universal, I got to go see a pre-screening of Despicable Me 2. Nice, and what was that like? What what does it mean to see a pre-screening? It was exciting, like seeing it before... It's in theaters for all audiences as a private screening, meaning only for some, not for everyone yet. And what was it like? Fun and exciting, thrilling, and also made me laugh seeing it like the first movie three years earlier. 
did you see it in like in a theater or was it like a special kind of room that you a went special to? kind of little room i got to go see it in is it that is that like where all the film executives will go and watch films they'll they'll watch it in there yeah i guess that is yeah yeah but it was really fun and exciting to see it well that's really cool now be- talk about the third Despicable me film despicable me three i know was released in the summer of 2017 it had grew and Lucy, who are now married, and then they discover an evil villain who's on the loose, an 80s child star named Balthazar Brat, whose show got canceled a long time ago, and he wants to take over Hollywood and get his revenge and get his show back. Gru also discovered his long-lost twin brother, Drew. <laughs> you know, it's standard procedure that if you have a supervillain, eventually there's going to be a long-lost sibling that's found. I know, I remember that. That was when Gru and Drew go on a mission to steal the diamond from Balthazar Brad and bring it to the AVL and bring back that stolen diamond from the museum in Paris. It was great. Now we can talk about some of the other Illumination films. Yeah, so obviously a lot of Illumination success has been on the back of Despicable Me and the Minions, you know, even outside of the movies. But they have produced a couple of other successful franchises, Secret Life of Pets has two films, and I is it going to get a third, or is that not sure yet? I'm not sure yet, though, but Sing, which is, is going to get a sequel in a year and a half from now. Yeah, and Sing was a, a musical. It was like American Idol, and also kind of like Pitch Perfect, and it was about a koala named Buster Moon, who owned a theater, and he came up with the idea of a competition to save his theater from closing down for good. And then... Who get accepted for the contest are Rose Rosita, a pig voiced by Reese Witherspoon, Mike the Mouse, who likes to gamble, who was kind of rude and arrogant, voiced by Family Guy creator Seth MacFarlane, Scarlett Johansson voiced Ash, a porcupine, and John C. Riley, who I know voiced the title character from Wreck It Ralph and Ralph Breaks the Internet, voiced Eddie Noodleman. Yeah, and the soundtrack was mostly pop songs that already existed, so they sang covers. I know there was one original song that was written by Stevie Wonder and Ariana Grande, and that was nominated, I think, I don't think it was for an Oscar. I think it was for a Golden Globe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of film was a jukebox musical, meaning it had a lot of different famous songs all put together in one film. Yeah, and I think that's become a lot more popular, that type of musical. So there's, you know, like Mamma Mia's in an example of that. Across the Universe with Beatles music. I think also that Elton John movie that came out, Rocket Man, I think that would fall under under that label as a, a jukebox musical. I know some of the music in it was original, but it also took a lot of songs from Elton John's discography. Yeah, so that that kind of musical has become a lot more popular. Why do you think that is, Ezra? Because people like how they combine different music in movie, in films and TV shows like that. Yeah, I think it's always fun to watch a movie and, and sort of see how they craft a story around music that you're already familiar with, presumably that you already really like, that's very, very popular. Especially for a movie like Sing, it can be a lot of fun to take these pop songs and be really creative in the performances of them, whether it's making a joke about them or whatever the case. It's just a lot of fun to see all these songs that people are familiar with and really, really like already, to see them played out by these different characters. Yeah. And Illumination in 2018 
in a computer animated remake of The Grinch. Yeah, speaking of familiar, right? Yeah. Obviously, I think everyone's familiar with the classic animated film of The Grinch. What was different about this film? A lot more people are also familiar with the live-action film from 2000. So I guess the question is, why remake The Grinch then? Because it's a very beloved story, and The Grinch is a very iconic character, and one of the most iconic characters created by Dr. Seuss. To create The Grinch for a new generation was computer-animated, and it starred Benedict Cumberbatch as The Grinch, although he was slightly nicer to his to his dog Max in this film. He was still pretty mean-spirited and kind of selfish, like we know. But he changes at the end. It was also a modern take. How was it a modern take? What difference, what changes did it make to the original story? Like, the Grinch used a drone on Max, I remember. And also, Cindy Lou, whose mom had a smartphone. And the Grinch's sleigh when he was stealing all the presents was a bit more high-tech also. Okay, so a lot of the technology in the film itself was updated for modern times. Yeah, Cindy Lou Who in the movie, her best friend was a boy named Grupert, who didn't appear in any other adaptations of the story. And what did you think of the movie as, as an adaptation? How do you think it compared to the other adaptations of this? It was um, the most modern take on the classic famous story by D Dr. Seuss, and it was a really fun animated Christmas movie, and I thought... It was really funny, too, and I thought it was interesting. Just like the live-action film with Jim Carrey, it was also it was very, very different from the original book because it had to be a lot more than just what the book had. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's interesting, this idea, because, like, like we've discussed before, there's been a push to make more and adapt more Dr. Seuss stories into modern films, and it's curious because I think you brought this point up earlier, and I think it's a good one to bring up, that a lot of us who are older remember the original Grinch special, Christmas special. But for younger generations, they might not be as familiar with this story. They might have never seen the special. So it's it's interesting bringing these films, these stories that we are familiar with, but younger kids might not be, and exposing them to these stories. Yep. I know. I get what you're saying. Yeah, and speaking of adaptations, in a couple of years, Illumination will be producing a new Mario film. Yes. Do, and do we know anything about that? I know it's coming out in 2022, so we might be scant on the details at the moment. They are in early development stages, but it'll be computer animated, and I think should hopefully critically improve from the 1993 film starring the late Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo. It'd be hard to do worse than that film. I mean, that film was a mess, to say the least, in, in terms of trying to adapt Mario into a movie. It's a very strange movie. If you haven't seen it, just look up some clips online, and you'll see it's just a strange, strange adaptation. And it's, and it's part of the reason why I think video game adaptations have such a bad rap because it's just it's weird and it's not weird in a good way and i think that that reputation has kind of stuck with video game films as a result i agree yeah when they did video game movies in recent years like sonic and angry birds and detective pikachu they've critically improved yeah and i think that's you're you're seeing the trend is sort of 
changing now. These films, I think there's more emphasis on putting together stories that are actually well done and interesting rather than kind of just throwing everything on the board and just making a bunch of references to the original games, which I don't think a lot of people find that interesting. Now they're actually crafting complex stories from these worlds. They're not necessarily trying to make a one-to-one adaptation. They're making stories out of these worlds and out of these properties. And I think that's why you get like Angry Birds 2, or the Angry Birds franchise in particular, it's coming from a mobile game that doesn't really have much of a story to it. And so that allowed them to make a story that could be interesting and well-received. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so Illumination has had a lot of success and they're coming out with three new movies soon enough in the next couple of years. It'll be interesting to see, especially how Mario turns out. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Alright, so that'll be a wrap for this episode. Thank you so much again for listening. If you like what we do, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash animation and beyond. Patrons get access to exclusive content, so be sure to check it out. In the meantime, we have a trivia question to give you. Who is Lightning McQueen, the star of Disney Pixar's Cars franchise, named after? All right. So if you know the answer to that question, be sure to give us a shout on Facebook or send us an email at animationandbeyond@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Thank Until you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of Animation and Beyond. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next week. Bye. See you later. Bye.